Hello and welcome to the Velodrome Podcast. Once again, I'm Steve, the Velo21 Guy, your host on today's podcast. So once again, we thank you for listening to the show. If you could take that extra bit of time to hit that follow button, that really does mean the world to me. It's helping support the channel, helping support the show. Let's the reach get out to more and more people so it just helps the channel to grow a little bit more so more people can experience the Velodrome podcast as well. So if you're listening to this and you think I'd like to have a chat with Steve, get in touch with me. You can contact me on Instagram. It's velo double underscore 21. That's velo double underscore 21. The account with the blue tick. Send me a message and we'd love to get you on the show. So once again, we're speaking to another fantastic guest we're very excited today to introduce to you it's ross yeadon aka training chubby statham hello and welcome to the velodrome podcast how you doing bud you right yeah good thanks i'm well thanks for coming on i appreciate your time today pleasure looking forward to it it's going to be good yeah so how me and ross uh know each other again it's through instagram we're instagram buddies we've never met in person never gone for a ride together unfortunately um but yeah, I so think I'd be able to keep up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your Instagram first of all. So where does the name Training Chubby Statham come from? <laughs> so um, I work in the motor trade, and uh, it's a bit of a you know male-dominated lads environment. So when I was certainly sort of working with the guys, there's banter and nicknames are plentiful. Let's put it that way. And I've been called plenty of things in my time. And when someone said, oh, yeah, you're like like the chubbier version of Jason Statham, I was like, as far as insults go, I'll take that all day long. So it kind of stuck, really, for that period of my life. And um, when it came to actually setting up this page, which didn't actually... It's kind of turned into this by accident. I thought, I need something a bit light-hearted. I'm not taking myself too seriously. And I was just training to get fit. So it kind of just gone from there, really. I'm a, I'm a chubbier version of Jason Statham trying to get fit is kind of how it panned out really. So did it start as a cycling page or was it a general fitness page at first? No it really didn't, the cycling thing, all of it's kind of happened a little bit by accident, when I set it up it was sort of post lockdown you know, I guess that cliched probably a bit sedentary, hadn't done a lot for a while, a bit heavier than I wanted and it was, the idea was to be accountable to something, so I thought if I say I'm going to do something and put it out there in the world it's a way of checking in and you know I work like that you know if I say I'm going to do something and you know about it I've kind of got to do it so the cycling was like a byproduct of I was doing weights in the gym bit of running not really planning on cycling that much and that that kind of took a hold in a way that I didn't expect really so mm. that was kind of the infancy of it really so what's your relationship like with Instagram you love it hate it tolerate it um, it's funny, really, because I would I would argue that my my whole cycling journey I, I'd almost say I'm like a I don't know I don't know if Instagram cyclist is the right thing to do, but I've never I've never cycled without a photo. That. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and that because of the accountability thing when I started, it was to document the process of getting fit, and then because that was the nature of the what I did when I started cycling, it was okay. How far have I ridden or you know, just just to have it as a document. So I've learned over the last two and a bit years or whatever that, yeah, I, I, I guess I've, I've fallen into a few traps with Instagram. It does drain your time sometimes. You can worry a bit too much about it. And I think, 
I think those are there for a lot of people but my relationship now and and has been for a good while is really good because I get out of it a lot there's a lot of good people you know yourself and many other people I chat to I've learned a lot um, it does help motivate me and keep me accountable but I don't take myself too seriously with it I don't I try not to worry too much about it and I think that's the happy balance that I've got to now which is I enjoy it for what it gives me and I don't worry about too much about the other stuff but I don't think I've always had that relationship but I definitely think now moving forward that's been the way for a little while so I'm, I'm really happy with it it's good fun and there's some good people so yeah good I, like you say I, I think it's that healthy balance isn't it because it can become very time consuming as you said but having that happy medium that you know it does take your time but if you get an enjoyment out of it and you're getting something back from it, it it's a, that healthy balance then isn't it which is great yeah, I think I think I, I've in the past put myself under more pressure than I should have done. I think like almost like not pressure to come out with content, but you kind of like I don't know. It just seems like almost sometimes you just don't want to do it. So at that point, I go, oh, okay, I don't need to do it, do I? It's not like a job. Yeah. But equally, if I enjoy doing it and I'm getting something out of it, well, I'm, I'm kind of happy with that, and that's kind of where I find myself now. Yeah, good, good. You do occasionally do a, a video of yourself. Obviously, you do great photos. Your Instagram looks great. So if you don't follow uh, Ross, I strongly recommend that you do um, Training Chubby Statham, as we've talked about. Do you occasionally do a video of yourself chatting in your garage? Do you find it helps you having a little vent on Insta every now and again? Yeah, I, I don't think Instagram's probably the right platform for it. But I, I guess because, again, going back to when I started, it was a way of documenting the process of in originally like getting fitter and then cycling um again instagram or social media in general can be a bit of a pitfall of you only see a tiny bit of someone's life like the good bit the bit they want to share the edited filtered thing and and i try and a i don't take myself too seriously and b i don't i don't i don't, I don't like the saying keep it real but none of us feel mega every day none of us are do you know what i mean in that happy place and if you've got something on your mind for me I think a it gets out of my head and b it's interesting because when I've posted stuff like that the engagement's really good because I think people relate to it I think they I think it obviously strikes a chord with people and I think a lot of social media can be quite superficial so when I do that a it's just me talking out loud I don't expect people to watch a five minute video of me waffling on but it's interesting because I think a lot of people off the back of it have messaged me or commented so it does help me, but I, I probably think it helps other people a little bit as well to realise that there is a real world. It's not all edited mm. pictures and hundred mile bike rides, you know. So yeah, I, I I enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, it's almost like your own mini podcast that you do every now and again. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I was going to say five minutes on Instagram is probably a lifetime, but um, yeah, I always challenge people to see if they can watch to the end. But uh, no, it, yeah. it's good. It's good. Yeah, good stuff. So let's talk about your cycling then so when did the cycling journey start for you so yeah when i touched upon it at the beginning so I, I guess there must be people like me out there because lockdown did a lot of things to a lot of people and cycling had a big boom as we all know when people couldn't go out and it was like what am i gonna what am i gonna do and lots of bikes were bought by people that have never ridden and so i'm kind of that time frame it wasn't an intention it was by accident so what was it november 2021 I got a I got a I got a bike that was two sizes too small, very cheap from a friend, and the idea was I was just going to do a bit of riding as part of my cardio work around training. And then it was like, how far could I ride? I reckon I could do 
15 miles and I was doing it in my rugby kit <laughs> you know what I mean I had nothing I was just riding my bike and 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 it I kind of got the bug for I reckon I could ride 30 mile now and it was just that challenge really and again as I started to do it and enjoy the process of getting outdoors and what cycling now offers um it kind of took over really very unexpectedly and and then then it was like okay well this bike definitely isn't too big isn't the right size and yeah. then I bought my my first bike proper road bike entry level and and then that goes on and and I don't want to say the rest is history because it's only sort of two and a half years really but mm -hmm. it feels like I've been cycling for a long time it feels quite a big part of my life now where if I don't ride my bike for a week I get a bit grumpy sort of thing mm -hmm. whereas two and a half years ago I probably hadn't ridden a bike well I did the odd commute 15 years ago and as a kid you have a bike and it's everything isn't it but as a hobby like which is what it is to me now I don't commute I only ride for pleasure it's it, you know I've never had that as a hobby so it started like I say end of 2021 so fairly new to it I would guess but um, yeah big part of what I do really now yeah good stuff so what keeps you motivated to keep going now um, yeah so I guess motivation is one of those buzzwords isn't it you know people will talk about being motivated and um, because it's I only ride for pleasure so it's I'm not training for events per se I don't have I'm not you, you'll probably know if you followed me like you do I'm not really a numbers junkie do you know I'm not I'm not um, and I think that's part of the downside to that is, is if you're not training for something it's hard to push yourself so because I ride for pleasure um, I, I guess my motivation comes from the fact that I just like riding my bike. I, I, I miss it when I don't go outside, especially this time of year. Um, I miss those, the endorphins that come from it. I miss that kind of just being out and about and doing something for myself. So motivation to push myself for a goal, for example. Um, I think if you have a goal and you stick it out there, you're likely to go after it. But day to day, week to week, I ride my bike because I just want to ride my bike, really. Um, so I don't find motivations that hard. Discipline sometimes is hard. That's that's slightly different, you know. Having the discipline to do the the, the ride when you don't want to, because time's short. But as soon as I get on the bike, I'm happy and I love it. So I kind of find myself pretty motivated um, most of the time, really, because I enjoy what I enjoy doing it. You know. Yeah, good stuff. So, what's your biggest ride or challenge to date so far? What's something big that you've taken on? So my two, my two biggest rides, weirdly, add up to uh, both are 126 mile rides. So within half a mile of each other. One was, so I live in e just outside of Exeter on the south coast of Devon. So we did a ride, me and three or four of my mates rode from our house to Cheddar Gorge. Did the Cheddar Gorge climb, which is obviously a, a notable climb for, for the geography, and it stands in in the 100 climb. So we rode up to there did the climb, descended the climb and rode back and that's 126 miles. Um, yeah, probably sort of nine hours with a stop and a few drinks and a bit of a bite to eat and stuff. So that, that was a big day out. And then I did something called the turkey ride. So me and a mate, I did a, day, I did a day's work at work and we set off at 10 p.m. and we did the turkey ride, which he'd attempted with a few people before and bad weather and what have you. and. Um, basically on Strava it looks like a big turkey and that's 126, 126 miles 9,000 feet of climbing through the night so I left at 10pm and I got back at about half 8 in the morning so that represented wow. yeah that's a, it's a big day out or big night out where you know working all day 
pretty much 10 hours in the saddle through the night just shy of 10,000 feet um, and that for me represented like a milestone as in to do that it did feel different you know mm-hmm. riding through the night the prep for it the fueling for it and just the, the miles in general really um, so yeah to date I would say like I say two and a half years into cycling those two kind of stand out as as like the, the biggies big, big rides you yeah. know that's a big old turkey to be fair it's, and, and if you've ever ridden in Devon, I can promise you now, it's uh, it's not a flat county. There's no... I look at people's Strava sometimes and stuff, and we all do, and we all get sucked into some numbers, and speed, obviously, in road cycling is always a thing. And what I'm always mindful of is is that Devon just isn't flat. You can't... A flat ride for me has got a 1,000 feet in 20 miles. That's flat. Whereas some people can do 50 miles and do 800 feet, and it's like... It's hard sometimes you don't want to, I think letting go of the speed element is probably healthy for some people because mm-hmm. it's, that's not all there is to do on a bike and it certainly isn't when you're riding around Devon, that's for sure. Yeah. What made you do the turkey ride through the night? What was the reason behind Some of the guys that? I ride with are just like that. I'm not a member of a club or anything. I've just got, I, I, I've got a few people that I know and ride with locally. We just have that, it's almost like that, almost like, the challenge of it we'll go and give it a go and it was like on I, I mean I did it almost on a whim really it was like so I did a hundred mile ride the weekend before and the weekend before that and it was like we've never done a ride through the night and it was just like should we do it then I'll tell you what we should do we'll do the turkey ride through the night and I was like okay and that's kind of the the level of planning that goes into it it's almost like the challenge of it really just for the what if kind of vibe you know and mm-hmm. he tried to do the turkey ride in some horrid weather and really wanted to tick it off his list and I was like all right I'll, let's go and do it kind of vibe you know so I kind of like that kind of free spirit nature of it where we we don't often spend a lot of time planning it sometimes you do but sometimes we're just like yeah let's give it a go kind of thing mm. yeah sometimes you can end up having a bit of a better ride when there's there's less planning and less thought of it there's not too much stress over it then it's like right okay this is what we're going to do we do it now off you go rather than planning something months in advance and getting a bit worked up um towards it you've almost don't give yourself the time to to think about it too much and get on with it i think i think it does tie in as well with um because i'm not a numbers person like training that goes into a bigger ride a lot of people will spend months on like a build and then they're tapering it it does it's like an all-consuming thing i don't have the time always for that with my work life and family life so my riding very much fits in around life and i guess that's the same for a lot of people um so when it comes to these things often i have to make like a snap decision as in i'm either going to do it or i'm not so (laughs) it's it's kind of just how life is really but um i kind of like the fact that even if I'm not as fit or as quick as some people, I, I can roll out the door most times and I, I take on pretty much anything really. Even if I'm not quick, I'll take it on, you know, and I like that. Mm. Good stuff. So have you got any other rides planned for this year or anything big even for next year going forward? So I did have a big part. The turkey ride was, funnily enough, it was my biggest and toughest ride to date. It was actually a training ride intentionally because I had a big ride last year. I wanted to do a 200 miler, my first 200 miler. And I had a big, a big ride with with my mate side to go and do it and when I got back from holiday I'd done all these these rides and I got ill um, and then the weather started to come in and 200 miles around Devon and Cornwall so it was a 216 mile ride with 18,000 feet of climbing wow 
Yeah. So not to be taken lightly, and and I didn't I didn't like the idea of doing that in like October November time in the rubbish weather, and so then it's gonna come to this year, and I kind of rolled into this year, and it's kind of there, it's ready to go, and before you know it, we're six months into the year. So my in my mind, I would like to try and do that this year. So it visits. I grew up in Cornwall, I was born in Cornwall, went to school in Newquay, so from where I live, the idea is to ride to things like my grand's house in Devon, south coast to Truro, which is where I was born, north coast of Cornwall, where I went to school. So it's picking up places that are significant in my sort of life, mm. wrapping it into one ride, ticking off the 200 miler, and like I say, 18,000 feet of climbing will, <laughs> that will hurt a lot. Yeah. But the whole the whole thing will take in, for me, um, yeah, meaningful places in my life and childhood, and and help build the ride into that kind of. I can hang my hat on that and say I did that ride. Um, now, whether it does happen this year or not, um, there's possibilities for it later in the summer. I've got a bit of time. I need to get a few more miles under my belt. I would say, but I'm not stressed about it if it doesn't happen because I know it will happen. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not hanging myself on it. But that is the next milestone that I want to tick off is a, that 200 miler and you know that kind of elevation as a real statement yeah. ride yeah definitely I was going to say would you think you'd you'd feel fit enough now as you just touched on you probably need to do a few more miles so if it was happening this weekend would you not feel prepared for it do you feel you've the, got to the type of person I am is I, I'd probably be stupid enough to try but I, I would <laughs> I, I think I think I'd be setting myself up to to disappoint myself I wouldn't say I'm, I'm the sort of person that my sort of training when I was trying training for me is I did 300 mile rides back to back weekend after weekend so I'm not like obsessing over numbers or rest of it I just know that I can ride myself to a point where I know I'm I know I'm fit enough and on a ride like that and you'll know this and most people that have done anything like it it's all up here anyway it's a head game thing when it comes to that you I think most times people don't succeed and not all the times but a lot of times when their brain just says I can't do this anymore their legs will steep turning if they do you know they can fuel enough they can slow down everything is doable but most of the time it's when your brain says I can't do it anymore and that's that's the appeal for something like that to me because someone like me doesn't fall into the classic example of a road cyclist I'm a little bit big I don't go up hills very quick I don't obsess about numbers so I kind of like that whole do you know what? I will ride 200 miles, mm. and I will do 18,000 feet, and I will show you that I can do it. And I don't mean to brag; I just mean in myself. I just I'm almost talking to myself at that point. It wouldn't mm. it be nice if someone like me did something like that. And that's kind of how I approach it. So, if I'm honest, I think I could roll out the door tomorrow after a pint tonight and do 100 miles. I could do that. I'm not saying I'd be quick. I'm not saying I'd love every minute of it, but I'm I'm good enough to do that. I think 200 miles and 18 thousand feet of climbing I think I'd need to take myself a little bit more seriously but mm. I think a couple of you know a month or two of riding consistently I think I'd be there yeah good stuff it's like you say it's that that mental balance uh, is a big part of it getting your head in the right space and just having that belief that you can do it and like you say it doesn't matter how quickly or slowly you're doing it as long as you keep going and keep doing it i mean like what we've touched on that eighteen thousand feet that having that elevator that you know you're in a lumpy part of the, the country there um doesn't make it easy you know if you're doing 200 miles out and doing sort of two thousand feet of climbing that's much 
easier. Not still saying it's it's an easy thing to do, but it's, it is easier removing that elevation. But yeah, that'd be an epic challenge to take on, definitely. Yeah, and it, like I say, I'm not. I, I think there's capacity for me to do it this year. I think I've, I could do it. It's if I don't do it or it doesn't happen, I'm not like. I'm not distraught because I know it is yeah. going to happen. You know, I've not signed up to an event, and sometimes it's good to have that pressure. I think if you do state that I'm, I've booked to this event or whatever, then you, you you put yourself under pressure to get there, um, and I think that's sometimes very good. But for me, right now, just with work and life, I want to do things, but at the same time, I don't want to take away the fun of it. So um, I think this August could be the the month. It's my birthday month. I've got a couple of weeks off. The weather's going to be good longer days because we're going to do that in a wanna so 200 miles of that elevation i'll be riding for i don't know 18 hours probably yeah maybe a bit longer depending on how it goes so that's a big day out you know yeah yeah because even that kind of time frame you you're going to be in the dark at some point aren't you really which is a bit that can be a bit with the mental side of things that can be a bit soul destroying as well <laughs> that's why that's, that's when I did the turkey ride the part of the reason why we did it through the night is that we were treating it as training it was a big ride decent elevation and it was getting me to that point where I'd, I'd at least experienced what it was like to ride in country roads where there's no street lights in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning it does change your mentality it is a very different place to be um, and I, I did well with it I coped with it well so that was kind of the part of the process now I haven't done an overnight ride since last August and if I do take on this it's going to be I'm probably or maybe maybe I will maybe I won't but it won't be a given that I'll have done another overnight ride so it'll be interesting to see where I get to with it really yeah lovely so moving on a little bit now do you <coughs> tend to ride solo or with others um, so when it all started because I didn't know anyone and it was new it was solo and that that I suppose even over the two I've met some great people I, I'm lucky that I've met people via Instagram and other that live very local really good people very good cyclists that I've done a lot of these things with that have brought me on but the nature of their work life and my work life is I often get like an hour to ride and it'll be at like random time so we've got a WhatsApp group we'll chuck it on there if someone's about we'll meet up I would say the majority is probably solo because it's very much fitting around life but often we'll have a weekend and we'll plan rides like that but it's not a club it's just a group of people that know each other we'll chuck it on the whatsapp group so because of that i would say most of it is solo but i get a decent amount of rides in with with the guys when i can which is always always good laugh always good laugh yeah good stuff so let's talk about freddie <laughs> um which for people that don't follow you won't have a clue what I've just said um, no. <laughs> so if you'd like to elaborate for us please so so I I think we all name our bikes or lots of people name their bikes and Freddie is 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 my bike that I have now um, and I guess my my journey towards getting this bike because um, when I started I had the bike that was too small and then I bought a, a specialized delay so like a, a an entry-level road bike would have been my first bike and then as you get drawn into cycling, and, and I think I've done this in some of my videos and talked a little bit about this, you then, you're, you're kind of funneled down a road of what a road cyclist should do, the things that you should pay attention to, things that, it's it's fine, like, like the numbers, power meters, a carbon fiber bike, and you're kind of, this is what it looks like. And then I, I got a carbon fiber Merida, which by the way, nothing again, it, awesome bike, loved it, 
would still love it now if I had it, but riding on the roads that I ride on, doing the type of riding I ride on, and having this concept of, I wonder if I had a bike that could do everything, and, and I, I had this hankering for a steel bike because I love the aesthetics, I like the material, I like everything about it, but it wouldn't, it didn't necessarily fit the, the sort of normal narrative of a road. So I know people ride steel bikes, but most modern people <laughs> getting into cycling now wouldn't go and buy a steel road bike. So, and that kind of appeals to me. I kind of like that, like not following the norm and just doing stuff your own way. Um, so he's just turned one actually. Um, and I've, yeah, he's, he's currently, as you, you will know, and some people may know, but he's currently in bits in my garage while I teach myself how to do some servicing, but he's, yeah, I've, I've had him for a year now and I've absolutely loved the type of riding that I can do. I've got two wheel sets. So I've got some road wheels. I've got some all road wheels. I can go gravel on it I can go bombing down horrible Devon lanes on it but equally I can I load it up with some bags and do an overnighter but equally I can take all that off stick the road wheels on and and have a proper go and and you know I've, I've gone quick I've set more PBs on that bike as a steel bike than I did on any other any other bike that I've had so it kind of dispels that myth of you have to have a light aero carbon bike to go quick I'm not saying that you I'm not saying my bike's quick or I'm quick but I, I enjoy riding it and I love the type of bike that it is. Mm, good stuff. And exactly what is he then? What's what's so, the model that he is? He, so he's a he's a he's a he's a Ribble CGR seven two five. So CGR is cross gravel road, so that gives you know, I've got fork clearance for six fifty Bs if I want. Um and the geometry I've set it up much more like a road bike as in you'd look at it and you, you've seen it it looks like a road bike I've got proper you got 105 group set drop handlebar you know as in traditional road bars but it just gives me the capacity to run 650Bs and bomb it on some gravel with the same setup really I use it 90% of it as on the road but as you probably know where you are Devon's no better the roads aren't exactly a, a pristine carpet to ride on so something that's a bit more robust is actually it's quite nice to ride around on on the road. So you you touched on a couple of other bikes there. So what? How many other bikes have you owned then? I've still actually got them all. Um, I've sold them and rebought them and 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 don't really ride them. Although, so my first bike that I got, which was the cheap one that was two sizes too small, is a Cannondale Cad Eight. So I'm six foot one. Just to, when I say it's too small, I'm six foot one, six foot two ish. And it's like a 54 frame, <laughs> so it's too small. Um, uh, and that's like, you know, what year is that? That's that's got to be over 10 year old now. And I didn't know any different at the time. And I, you know, it's great bike, great bike for its era. Um, and then I bought the Specialized Delay, which was like, okay, if I'm going to cycle, I need a bike that actually fits me. And that was like a, that's an entry level Specialized. You know, nothing flash. You know, it's, you know. Ent very entry level Claris group set but I love that bike and I've been riding it this last week while I'm servicing Freddie and it's the first time back on it in a year and it just again it's you know bikes can sometimes take on a sentimental place in your heart can't they they remind you of the rides that you did and stuff so I've still got that um, and when I bought Freddie it was very much a case of I want to get to a place where I could do all my riding on one bike which I do I do I literally use him for everything um, so the whole M plus one thing is something that I'm not trying to get away from it because I don't have one bike, but I could do everything I want on one bike. Um, 
and that was kind of part of my rationale. I love the idea of being able to take one bike on any adventure I want. It'll cope with it, it'll do well. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I did have a bike in between as well. I had that Merida, which was my sort of flirting with a carbon fiber aero road bike, which I had for about um, five, six months. Loved it, mm -hmm. great bike, nothing bad to say about it. I just kind of thought to myself, is, am I really getting the benefit out of this bike with the type of riding that I do? Or am I just having this bike because that's what I'm supposed to do as a road cyclist? Mm -hmm. And I came to the conclusion that I don't really, I shouldn't be buying a bike for what other people think I should have. I should buy a bike that I want, that I like, that I enjoy riding, that suits what I do. And that's kind of how I've got to the place I'm at now. Yeah, I remember you doing a video about the bike um, yeah. and you talking about fitting into that category that it should be doing this and it should be doing that. And it's like, why why do you have to go down that route and you talked about I remember you saying one thing it's like the only difference is I'm batting down these lanes even faster on this mm. on this read and he was like I, I could get something that's more comfortable and I'm still getting the exercise because what's a what's aren't they it's, you know mm. you're pushing the same but you just do that loop two minutes faster or one minute mm. faster or however faster it is and you like you said you, you kind of talking about there was no point doing that almost just because that's what the industry kind of says that you should do yeah I mean that video I still remember because when you spoke earlier about videos I'd done that was probably one of the first I did and I had a mm. probably more than anything I've ever put on Instagram I had so many people whether it be in the comments or you know I, you know, I really relate to that and stuff because I work in sales yeah so I know what it's like to sell to people I know what it's like to market to people and cycling is a as you know this it's a massively marketed industry um, and, and it suits brands whether it be bike or equipment to kind of have you funneled down this channel and I was just I'm, I'm six foot two and I'm 50 and a half stone as far as road cycling goes <laughs> I'm not going to be that quick I'm quick relative to me, but as far as the whole 65 kilo stripped down road cyclist, I'm not going to be that guy. And the different what I said in that video, which I think resonates with a lot of people, like normal people, like normal people that just ride a bike, is marginal gains is huge, isn't it? You know, you know, you'll spend 500 quid on something that gets you a 150 gram saving, gram saving in, in weight. And I'm like, I'm 50 and a half stone. I'm about as aero as a brick. Why am I going to? Why am I doing this? Like logically think about it. Any any speed I could gain is going to come from my fitness, my my relationship with my health and the bike. I I, I was I was thinking, I'm not I'm not so naive to think that Ultegra over 105 is going to change riding for me. It's not, is it? So at that point I was like, wait a minute, what do I want out of cycling? What bike do I want to own? I love steel bikes. I love the way they look. As it turns out, I love riding them. If you've ever ridden a steel bike. The difference between aluminium and carbon you hear people talk about it, you think is there a difference it, for me there's a noticeable difference in ride like the buzz that you don't get off the road the way that it, it it just is so much more planted and to ride around the type of roads i ride around from a ride quality point of view is well bearing in mind i've been back on the special for a week and i'm like wow there is a difference and i mm. love that i love that there is a big difference and it suits what i do so mm. Yeah, I've kind of very much fallen in love with with a with the steel setup. Yeah, we obviously we've touched on all the different bikes that you've had, and you've 
obviously currently got Freddie stripped down. Have, have you always named your bikes? Yeah, and the other thing that seems to stand out for me is most blokes name their bikes a girl's name. Yeah. Now, all of my guys have girls' names for their bikes, yeah. And, and historically, if you name cars or stuff, and I have always named my bike, I do like that. Yeah, like I said earlier, that you can get a bit sentimental, and I like that ownership and that kind of relationship that you have with your bike and the journeys you go on. So I've always named them, and I don't know if I've ever actually said this out loud. So all my bikes have had names. So uh, apart from the the Cannondale, so when I because that to me was like I wasn't cycling; it was just a bike I had. And when I bought my special, which was my first proper road bike, I'm now going to be a cyclist. That was called Brian. When I bought the Merida, that was Roger. And now, we, and now I've got Freddie. And and what no one's asked me, or I don't think I've said publicly, is all those names are the band members to Queen. So you've got Brian May, uh-huh. Roger Taylor, Freddie Mercury. So that will give you a clue as to my favourite band. Oh, uh, there we go. That's a good insight, that is. Because I know that you'd mentioned about that um, you've got a young family, that there's two daughters, so um, that you touched on, that yeah. you always name them boys names so there's another b- guy in the house it's, it's almost like a lad's <laughs> night out when I go for a ride you know it's the same when we got our dog actually the, the, the girls wanted a dog and I, w- I was reluctant and I said okay so if we're going to get a dog it's got to be a boy and I've got to name him because I'm outnumbered here I've got a wife and two daughters so the dog and the bikes are kind of a little bit of boy time in my in my world of pink and makeup mm. good stuff good stuff so um other people that don't follow you again perhaps won't know this about you as well that you you're quite tattooed um i'd seen on other instagram posts someone asked you how many tattoos you've got and that you don't know because you've got so many um yeah when you get to a stage of being tattooed like i've stopped counting tattoos like if you've only got one or two quantity of tattoo is something that is a comfort for me i'm i'm a tattooed person so i don't have like I've just untattooed, so it's mm. one big tattoo, really. Have you got any cycling ones, or have you got any cycling ones planned? I don't have any cycling ones, but um, so Simon and I, who did the turkey ride, he's got a leg at the bottom of his leg that he's got like almost like jokey tattoos. Some of them are to do with he's done some incredible Ironmans, he's done a ride around Devon, he's done all sorts of stuff. So he's kind of building this kind of patchwork, and I've got my legs quite tattooed. So we're going to get a turkey to commemorate the turkey ride, um, just as a, just as like a memory, really. So me and him are going to do that. But there is a tattoo that I want uh, on my knee, and it, it does tie in with um, cycling. It, it, and, and the quote is something that Simon says, really. And it's, it's it's just riding a bike. And what I love about that is you can. It's it's just that head thing, isn't it, where. I can't ride this climb, I can't ride that far, I can't do this. And you, you put all the things in front of you of why you can't do it. And when you're on the bike and you're suffering or you're, you're really inside your head in a bad way, he said it to me because I've been on rides with him and he'll take me up disgusting, horrible things. And and he said, it's just riding a bike. Just remember that. It's just turn your feet, turn your pedals. It's just riding a bike. And when you, when you take it too seriously or when you get into the numbers and you're robbing yourself of that joy or you're suffering trying to do something, it's just riding a bike. That's it. And it, it kind of simplifies all the peripheral stuff down to it's just riding a bike. And it's kind of a good metaphor for life outside of cycling because sometimes we're all distracted, busy, having a hard time, all the rest of it that we all go through. And 
it's just riding a bike that's it that's as complicated as it needs to be and I love that I love that sentiment it, it very much speaks to me about how I approach cycling you know it's just riding a bike mm, so I, I hopefully that's something I'll get this summer as well yeah that's a good saying actually I think I might try and steal that one it's uh, like you say that that headspace thing when you're going up something that's a bit tough or you you know you you're flagging a little bit you bonked a little bit and it's, come on it's just riding the bike I can I can imagine that really does pep you up a bit there as well one thing you can get now obviously is a, you can get a velodrome logo now you've been on the podcast I, I, don't st- I don't want to steal your idea because then we'll have matchy matchy chatting yeah, and that might so, become a bit of a groupie. So are you yeah. actually going to do that then? Is that? I, I think so. I, I posted it on my story because someone had said it to me. They were like, oh, why don't you get your logo? It's quite nice. Why don't you get your logo done on your calf? And I thought, oh, my wife won't be happy about this. And she was there when she said, and I thought she'd be like, no, no, no. She was like, yeah, you should, you should. Um, get it on the back of your calf and then people will see it when you're riding. So I'm... Um, it's something I might do to be fair I have got a few tattoos I haven't got many um, but yeah I, I never really caught the bug as in my last one was I'm I'm 40 now and my last one was when I was 24 um, See, it's, it's funny because I, 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 without going too off script but see as we're talking about tattoos there's, yeah. there's people that don't have a tattoo mm. there's people that have a tattoo because they want they're curious and then they tick the box and off they go and then there's tattooed people like for me tattooing is my longest hobby like before I started cycling and all my money went into that that's how I (laughs) that's how I paid for this it's not a cheap hobby like cycling isn't so for me I think about tattooing as much as I think about riding my bike it's 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 that present in in my life now I haven't been tattooed for a year because I cycle now and I'm skinned but um (laughs) um yeah, I'm getting that need now. A bit like if I didn't ride my bike for a long time, at some point you've just got to do it. And I'm the same with my tattoo. And if I don't get tattooed at some point, I get a bit antsy about it. So I'm right at that place now. So mm. we'll see. Sun's out, so I need to get yes. some new So my birthday's in September. So I might say to my wife that uh, that'll be the birthday present. Then I'll get it on the but back of it, my... You've said it out loud on a podcast. It's on the podcast now. now so, so yeah, it's it's in stone. It's in stone now, isn't it? That like it's got to, it's got to happen now. It's been said. <laughs> I, won't be letting, I won't be letting you forget it. Trust me. <laughs> right then. So let's move on to a few questions that we like to ask all the guests. Um, which is, are you a calf stop cyclist? Um, if you actually look at when I ride my bike, I'd probably pull myself into a pub stop cyclist. Oh, um, okay. When 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 I do ride with the lads. Um, we live in a nice part of, of the world um, and we've got the coast and the estuary and stuff and the Devon lanes and stuff and what I love about the guys when we go out there's never no one's ever ripping legs off we, we challenge ourselves to ride up like climbs and stuff but never to set never to set the world on fire even though some of the guys I ride with are very capable but the social aspect of it is we'll stop for a beer and a pub and a pub garden and that might turn into two so yes we do the coffee thing which is more traditional I would say with the cycling thing but um, the guys I ride with it's nice actually we you know a cheeky pint of cider here and there and just to enjoy being out on your bike with your mates so yeah I, I, and even this time of year I do a few solo rides I don't mind stopping on my own for a beer because again I've got the water that I ride to beer garden looking over the estuary you think why wouldn't you stop for a beer so um, yeah, I would I would put myself in the pub stop cyclist, which is probably the reason why I look like this. 
that's the first time we've had anyone say, "Oh, well, I do pubs. I don't do a cast." Yeah. Well, you said you did do a, pub, uh, a cast stop, but yeah, it's like changed it to a pub stop, so that's good. Um, if you something we've kind of covered a little bit now, I, I don't know what your answer is going to be to this. So, if it was dream bike, money, no object. See, this is of all the questions I've heard other people answer, and, and this is the one. So, I like nice things, and I like I like what I like, and I love like even having ridden my aluminium bike again for a week or two. I know how much I love riding a steel bike. So, what I would love, um, I would like a custom-made steel road bike company. I think you've had this before from John, I believe. Feather up in the north of England make custom steel bikes and they are not insignificantly priced uh, I mean you to get anything custom made but they make you can make a steel bike with very very nice high-end componentry and weight wise you're like seven kilos for a steel bike so you've got all the benefits of what I think steel offers from a road point of view aesthetically I think they look stunning and aesthetics is a very personal thing but yeah. to have something that you've had an active part in how it looks how it fits your body for me that that material and that relationship I think for me that would be the ultimate if I could have a custom made steel road bike buy someone like Feather that would be amazing so yeah proper out and out road bike proper high end group set all the bells and whistles but a proper steel custom would be great brilliant nice nice so if we could plop you anywhere in the world now to go riding where would you pick to go so when I um I thought about this as well because I've not ridden abroad and I will ride abroad at some point but when I first started cycling as I've said it was kind of by accident really so I'd not, I not—I don't know much of the history of cycling although my father-in-law is an avid road cyclist ironically and loves you know, had houses in France been to see the Tour de France so I had I had reason to get into it I'm a big sports fan but it was just not something I'd ever really taken on board and after that so 2022 we were out of Whatever the tour was, no, 2021. So I had, I didn't end up having COVID, but I had to isolate, and I isolated at my parents' house when the Tour de France was on. So I took that 10 days at the time because that's the way it was when you had to isolate. I just thought, well, I'm sitting myself down in front of the Tour de France, and I've come to realise now that the era that we're in with the Tour de France is a bit special with the kind of riders that are about. And it was the year that Cav won all those stages to draw level. It was the year that Wout van Aert ran, won on Mount Von Two and won the sprint on the Champs Elysees. And at the time, I didn't know any different. But these are all very iconic places and things. And the one that stood out for me was was the the Mount Von Two stage. And I looked at that climb. I looked at like, the racing. And I look back on it now, and I just think to myself, as as, a, as we all do, I'm sure we have like a bucket list climb or a place. And I'm sure there's loads of places that I'll I'll go on to cycle. But I want to, if you could get me there now maybe a bit fitter than I am now I'd like I'd like to I'd like to do Mount Von 2 and just that area just because it, it harks back to that first year I won the tour to watch the Tour de France first year I really started to get an understanding or start to understand cycling properly and that to me is like that's the climb that I'd want brilliant good stuff good stuff yeah it's it's not one I've done personally either so 
that's another one for me that's on my bucket list to be honest um, to get out there and, and do that like you said that iconic climb that you know all those pros have got up that it's such a an epic stage isn't it the one mm-hmm. two and it's like yeah it's just just amazing just absolutely yeah, and, amazing. And, and, and the region around it I'm sure is, is absolutely stunning to ride and, and, and there's loads of places you know and um, too many to mention but I guess because that will always tie to the first time I watched the tour the first thing I remember about understanding it I think because of that it will it will have a little bit more significance for me yeah brilliant good stuff good stuff so I think we've come to the end of our little cycling chat I really appreciate your time today Ross thank you very very much no it's been good good to catch up properly and like you say it's it's one thing chatting on Instagram but it's nice to just have a proper chat with people you know so Yeah. yeah I've really enjoyed it thank you thanks for coming on mate cheers no worries mate no worries take care that was great speaking to Ross there we thank him for his time the other day recording the podcast it's brilliant speaking to all these people and I really do think Ross is just a genuine genuine guy Um, he's well worth a follow so training Chubby Statham as we mentioned a couple of times in the podcast as we were recording it if you just want to follow another great cycling account it's well worth a follow as I say real down to earth guy well worth a follow absolutely brilliant it was real a lot of fun speaking to to Ross today so that was an absolute pleasure again I do love doing this podcast it is absolutely brilliant and I love everybody's take on it everybody's got a different story but we all seem to do it for the same kind of reasons it's just absolutely brilliant bringing that cycling community together is what it's all about and we did get a bit of a an exclusive obviously with the the naming of the bikes as well which I found very interesting it was I was uh, pleased with that it was a excellent names of the of all his bikes Brian Roger and Freddie of course so um yeah that's absolutely fantastic that is so uh yeah once again thanks for listening we really do appreciate your time i've been steve the velo 21 guy we'll catch you soon